Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. That's right. Well, we're not Mackie and Judd. It's Mackie and Kyle is what it is. Kyle Tige from uh, formerly from Canis Hoopus, and now you are jumping more into the podcast world. I'm Phil Mackie from the Mackie and Judd Show and Purple Daily. And uh, both of us can say we've made it through the David Kahn and Tom Thibodeau era of Timberwolves basketball, and we've lived to tell about it, Kyle. And this is Flagrant Howls, a Minnesota Timberwolves, let's call it, lifestyle podcast that we are launching today. David Kahn, uh, he's one of our neighbors. He lives out here in Portland now. He's like best friends with the current mayor of Portland. He's like everything he did in Minnesota was weird. And then he just moved out to the West coast and continued to be weird. So I, I hope to run into him one day, but wasn't he, was he running or GMing a French pro league team at one point too? Yeah, I think for a little bit, but like, he like lives by this biscuit spot. I go to, it's just like the weirdest thing. He just, he, he's pretty popular out here. Like he has a lot of friends and high ranking positions. So I don't know how he keeps finessing his way into power, but uh, yeah, maybe Good we'll have him guy. on one day. <laughs> Good it for would, him. It would be, I don't, I think the problem with him, it, well, there's multiple problems right. with, with his start. career, but I don't think he's very like uh, self-deprecating, you know, like, like, I don't know that he would come on and kind of joke about the 2009 draft and, <laughs> and, and say, yeah, you know, wow. In retrospect, I think he's, he's a little bit self-important, which might've been his ultimate downfall. Oh. Yeah. I think he would still argue the Wes Johnson pick made sense. Uh, and that's probably a non-starter for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be we initially we, we've been wanting to launch some sort of a, a Timberwolves podcast on score North for, and we used to have raised by wolves on 1500 ESPN and, uh, and the, the first year, year and a half of score North and uh, Danny Cunningham, Manny Hill, uh, Dane Moore, who you're going to do some more work with this year. We're part of that. But in the two years since the last episode of raised by wolves, I think there was an HBO show that went two seasons that sort of hijacked yeah. all the Google searches. And then the Timberwolves, <laughs> Stole it for a marketing slogan or like, all right, uh, let's let's. So you'll be able to find these episodes on that podcast feed and Mackie and Judd and the Scornoth YouTube channel. But uh, you came to the table with just a much more updated and better name in flagrant howls. And so that's what this is going forward. And uh, we got free agency and trade season upon us and on the horizon. So we're going to get into all sorts of wolves related things here throughout this first episode. But um, I figure since this is the first time you and I have done a show together, uh, it's probably, you know it's possible that your following is being introduced to me for the first time and vice versa, that we start off a little game of get to know Kyle and Phil. Just a couple questions to, to get to know our background when it comes to the Timberwolves and the NBA. And uh, I'd love to start you with this one. In your life watching Timberwolves basketball, which player 
did you get the most irrationally overattached to that didn't actually pan out to the degree that you were attached, if that makes sense? Oh, that's a good one. Already on the spot. I mean, so Garnett, so I'm from North Dakota, born and raised. Um, so we adopt all the all the Minnesota teams, right? Vikings, Twins, Timberwolves. So Garnett got me through. Um, and then there was that really low point after the Garnett trade. So I think it goes back to like my answer would be Ricky Rubio um, mm. because he still had a solid career and then he went off and he's had a long career. But like those early 17-year-old Rubio days when he was playing against like the Olympic team or like just all the drama. I mean, I remember when he showed up at the airport and there was like a thousand people there waiting for him. So probably him. He also kind of like I my basketball pickup skills are kind of like him. I like to pass. I like to have long arms. I can't shoot at all. But um, so I think probably Rubio, like he kind of got me through that weird phase. Um, and he was just also like someone cool to follow at the time when I was just simply a fan. So I think it'd probably be Rubio. No. Um, I also really believed. I still believe in Derek Williams. Okay, that's that's mine. Old. That's okay, mine. You take it. Go go with Derek Williams. Well, I, so first of all, he he looks the part, and he jump he still, jumps yeah. jumps out of the arena. Yep. And I th- I think we're, we're and there was no real consent. That was a, a really weird draft, and it, it wasn't like he wasn't like a sure bet at number two, but just athleticism. Uh, his shot looked good, even though his shot didn't fall. And I think where I started to to realize like maybe even a half year into his rookie year was okay. Maybe he doesn't have it. He missed so many dunks and layups. You know, know, it was, it was sort of the the lob city Timberwolves and Ricky Rubio would, would, (laughs) would throw just a perfect lob pass on a fast break. And Derek Williams would once, once or twice a game, it felt like would miss a dunk off the back iron and then kind of like, Oh, put his head back. Right. You can't make your dunks. I don't know if you're going to, you're going to pan out. I think he was, he's, we talk about this like in football too, but he's one of those guys that probably just got drafted like or came around a, like a decade too early. Like he was like six eight two forty five. If he could have just figured out some semblance of a shot, he's like exactly what every team wants, right? Like a a two way guy. I mean, he could dribble a little bit. So I feel like if he would have came out in the twenty twenty one draft, he would have gone like top three. I mean, I know he went second overall, but like you said, that was a weird draft. So I know he's doing this thing overseas. He's only thirty one. Um, Maybe he's like a minimum contract guy that Tim Conley brings in. Wow. The wow. I don't know. Amazing. It is speculation season. <laughs> it is. It's reckless. I've actually, I've seen um, uh, Amir Coffey's name floated too as, as a guy that could get a contract in May. I don't know that he, now that, now that um, uh, Torian Prince is back yesterday, I don't know that there's a space for, but you know, as a mid-level exception guy, just throwing out random wing players. I saw that floated yesterday. Yeah, he and like he had a really good year with the Clippers. So I mean, he he's an impressive guy. He'll probably be one of those guys that signs later in July, right as the other bigger dominoes fall. But um, he probably could be in for a nice little pay raise uh, mm-hmm. next month. Okay, uh, get to know him. Question number two here: When is the first time the Timberwolves made you mad? I mean, probably sometime in when I was like one or two, right? Because like they haven't done a lot of things to make us happy. Um. Again, going back to the Rubio thing, I was in the house that night when they played the Lakers, and I was like, had like, I would call them like thirty yard line seats, uh, and I just remember specifically like there was so much hope. Kobe was in the building, uh, and I just remember the play where Rubio kind of bangs knees, and that was still pre Twitter a little bit, um, but you just knew then that like, oh, I might follow a team that's cursed, <laughs> like I might just like my team mm-hmm. might just never make it work, so. Um, that was probably the first major one. Um, and then also to like anything that David Kahn did, I was, 
not in as plugged into the wolves at the time, but like I hated everything that had to do with Kurt Rambis. So when they brought him along, um, that was another one of those moments. It's like, what, like, are, do the bucks have an extra spot on like the fan base? Um, but I stuck around, but yeah, I mean, there's lots of, there's very few things that have made me happy. Um, but I think that all washed away with when they drafted ant. So, um, all that scar tissue is gone now. Cause Anthony Edwards is here. What was like your first, uh, memorable moment of mine go well, my, the, the first time they made me mad goes goes back further and i will get to that but did you what 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 was the first year you started really following was it was it closer to the rubio love era or was it kg era yeah so i was i went to all the uh western conference finals games when they played the lakers that one year um shout out to my dad so i was still following them but like i didn't really start really really i guess i match following with covering I moved out to Oregon like seven years ago, and that's when I started writing at Canis. Um, and that's when social media builds up and podcasts. So um, probably within the last 10 years is when I was like a daily guy. But yeah, I mean, I remember those KG years. I remember this, you know, that run they had. And that's what really hooked me was being in the building for that and being like, can we ever get that feeling back in our lives? And you so so go back like basically 20 years back to yeah, like 2002. Yeah, yeah. You, yep. You've basically admitted that it's been 20 years of almost all scar tissue and making you upset or uh or otherwise not happy that's yeah, pretty amazing yeah that's what my wife says a lot too so um yeah like <laughs> she's just like you why why are you still doing this but again i go back to uh i'm not really an outdoorsy person per se but like i watch a uh, I watch a lot of tiktok and there's always like rock climbing tiktok um and f- from my understanding you like climb up the side of a mountain and like you put these clips in um and like Anthony Edwards is like the clip, right? Like once you put the clip and you can't fall any further, like that's your new floor. So I feel like Anthony Edwards, when he was brought in a couple of years ago, like he's erased. Nothing bad has happened since Anthony Edwards has been here other than like Gerson Rosas. Um, so he's like my clip in the wall climbing. Like we can't ever fall too low again. We'll never fall into a Joe Smith situation. We'll never fall into like any of those horrid draft mistakes just because I feel like Anthony Edwards is too good and, too uplifting to and let any of that happen. Yeah, and even like Gerson wound up being maybe a, a bad thing, but thanks for putting together a playoff roster and then getting fired. You know, like like at least he at least he put together a good roster and then and then the bad thing happened. Uh, for me, the answer is the 1998 playoffs. So I was oh. uh, my first ever Wolves yeah. memories were going to games during the Christian Leitner era. I was born in 1985, <laughs> and so I went to some early 90s like Leitner, Pooh Richardson that era of of Timberwolves basketball and um and 1998 was the second year that the KG Marbury team made the playoffs and and for the first two or three years of KG and Marbury it was mostly just wow this is amazing they they beat the Bulls they you know, they're winning <laughs> game they beat the Suns for the first time in 29 games and they're doing all these things it's it's just it's pure happiness because they're doing these things that they've never done before but then the second year of playoffs, they take a 2-1 series lead over the Sonics, the Sean Kemp and Detlef Schrempf Sonics. And I remember as a, I think I was 13 years old, 12 or 13 years old, I remember like actually having expectations for the first time as a Timberwolves fan. Oh, they're up two games to one. They've got Kevin Garnett and Stefan Marbury. They're supposed to be the next John Stockton and Carl Malone, like, they're going to close out this series and move on to the next round. And then they got beat at home in game four, which yep. made me mad and sad. And then in game five, they uh, Anthony Peeler went off for like 28 or 29 points and hit five or six threes. It was it was this amazing game for Peeler. And Stefan Marbury and Kevin Garnett 
combined for five made shots and shot like 20% from the field and just completely soiled themselves in this game five. <laughs> and I remember being mad at the Timberwolves for the first time after they lost games four and five. Like, why? Why are you? How, you know, how can you not show up in a game five? And then, of course, it took them, what, six more years, five or six more years to actually win a playoff series. And then that was short lived. And so, yeah, it's largely been 20 or 30 years of misery. But I think that's what makes Wolves fans awesome is that they've 100%. just stuck around through all of this BS. And now maybe everyone's being rewarded with the Anthony Edwards and and Carl Anthony Towns era here for the next five to ten. Yeah. And I this is probably for another this is for a podcast in like September when we're thirsty. But uh, I also just enjoy being born in the Midwest now living out on the West Coast and interacting with people that maybe were born in another area. Um, and that kind of s- translates into like Timberwolves fandom. Um, I'm biased, but I also think they are like the best fans in the NBA because we don't like, we have self-awareness and I think self-awareness yeah. in 2022 is like the greatest skill you can have. So like, we're not um, like, if you, you know, we're big fans of Wolves Twitter. Um, we're like make jokes, but we totally understand being able to take, being made fun of mm-hmm. and not a lot of fan bases can do that so yeah like what are you going to make fun of us i saw all the curry stuff all the draft stuff these last couple of weeks it doesn't even sting anymore like yeah that's fine but it all led to ant like we're fine so um wolves fans are really good and i think they're going to like this pod because i think like i said you and i are just two kind of lunatic wolves fans um who like to talk about minnesota sports I may have called Carl Anthony Towns a clown about 16 times after game three on our post game show. <laughs> so I do get a little over emotional sometimes. So I think, I think the, have you ever seen the movie eight mile Eminem? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that's, what, it. that's what wolves fans are. They are the, like we are Eminem oh, in the good. last battle. I know everything you have to say against yep. me. Throw yep. the microphone. Oh shit. I think you that we, I don't think I've ever tweeted that out, but I've had that thought. So yeah, that's like the scene where they're just sitting on the box just kind of like looking up at the other 29 fan bases being like, what? And the yep. crowd's just waving their hands. Like that's a really good Jake Scraffs needs to like somehow edit that video and put like crunches face on. <laughs> yes. <M&M. laughs> yes. Uh, okay. And then get to know him. Question number three here. And then we'll dive into some actual uh, current events circling around the Timberwolves. Uh, what is your hot? And maybe this is a segue. What is your hottest Timberwolves take right now? Oh, uh, it's it's not so much as a prediction as it's what I would do. Um, but everyone likes to point that last season when they won, you know, 46 games or whatever, there was all these ancillary things that came into play. Everyone else had more injuries. Everyone else had more COVID, all this stuff. And that the Wolves weren't supposed to be there. Um, I'm in the, I'm in the market of the window hasn't necessarily opened yet. Uh, so I would be down to like, if I had to offer this to you and we just shake hands, I would be down to take a step back this upcoming season if it guaranteed you handshake agreement that they would take two and a half steps forward in the following year. Um, I think the West is getting really old. Like you go look at teams, all the teams that are projected to be in the top half of the West next year are all guys that have older players, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron, Damian Lillard, all these guys are older. So it's not so much of a take, but like I, had so much fun. I was back for all those playoff games. It was the best season probably of my life. But I'm also okay, like going back into the plan for a year if it meant two and like two or you know next season it's two and a half steps. So not just two, but two and a half steps because I think they're a, a year away from really contending for that top 
four seed. And that's what they really want. That's interesting. There's there's a lot that we can and I'm, there's there's a full episode at some point here yeah. during the uh, the thirsty weeks, as you call them, about next summer. And maybe some of these questions are going to be answered. I mean, they Within probably the will week, in yeah. the next two weeks. But you might have if you want, you could have 50 or 60 million dollars in cap space somewhere in that neighborhood before the Anthony Edwards max deal kicks in mm-hmm. uh, before towns super max kicks in, which isn't going to be for two more seasons. But to your point about the Western conference, let the warriors kind of finish out their thing here with a yep. bunch of bunch of dudes in their early to mid thirties. Let, uh, let LeBron just, you know, they weren't really a factor last year, but let LeBron get to be 40 years old and, you know, I don't know, maybe migrate back to the Eastern conference or something. Um, I'm curious to see, there's some teams in and around where the Timberwolves were in that playing range that are wild cards. What does Dallas do a couple of rungs up? What? How high do the Pelicans climb if if Zion's going to be healthy? There's only like two or three teams you would look at in the West. The Rockets, maybe maybe not even that. Maybe there, there might be two teams that are truly going to be terrible that you can say right now that are are just actively in rebuild mode. And it almost feels like everyone else is either – contending or trying like hell. I mean, the Kings, you can laugh at the Kings, but the the Kings have young talent and the Kings mm-hmm. are sort of feisty. So there's not that many pushovers. And there's going to be, like if, if Damian Lillard has a running mate and he's healthy, maybe he's not the same guy as he was five years ago, but that's a team you have to deal with now that you really didn't in 2021-22. It's interesting. Yeah, and I just, I just again, like even like we don't know what's going to happen with the Suns, right? Like a year from now, Chris Paul is going to be, I think, yeah. almost 38. So... I know we like to – well, that's one thing we always like to do, and this goes back to Wolves' scar tissue, is we just love when the season resets to just list off all the teams that are going to be better than them. But, I mean, there's a case that just – and Finch talked about this earlier this week, like internal development might be all you need. Like, yeah, I don't want to necessarily run it back 100% of the same roster and bring back Jake Lehman, but just having, like, that internal growth year, I mean, it's kind of what Memphis did last year. They made one trade, they swapped centers, and then they just, hey, can everyone just get better? And then they all got better and they made their their leaps. So, yeah, that would be my take. It's just patience. I know Carl Anthony Towns seems like he's been here for 40 years, but he's 26. Like, he's going to be signed for six, seven more years now with that max extension. So, patience. I guess my hot take is patience, which I know doesn't drive everyone's attention. But um, I think they're one year away from really being, like, a big-time player, a top-10 team in the league. I feel like preaching level-headedness is a hot take in 2022 <laughs> sports media. Um, so mine's a little spicier in that I think in the end, 10 years from now, I think Anthony Edwards will challenge Kevin Garnett as the best player in franchise history. Oh. I think you're going to see a deep playoff run or five. Just the the position. KG played the perfect position for the era that he was in. Mm-hmm. Big men dominated the game more in the late 90s, early 2000s. Ant plays the perfect position and has the perfect skill set for this version of the NBA. And I think that's a good like too much is being made of like, and I'm probably guilty of this too, who's the Batman and who's the Robin? But I think as this team morphs more into knowing how to maximize Anthony Edwards' skill sets, him growing into the peak version of his skill sets and just his personality, I think organically he will just be the guy that drives this thing and then Cat can kind of slide in there almost like Pow did for Kobe or like, uh, you know, like a Chris Bosh multi-talented yep, player yep. under great wing players in Miami. So I, th- I think that's what the next 10 years could look like with Ant rivaling KG as the greatest player in franchise history. And I think if listening to that, 
you're probably thinking that's a crazy take. But and again, Kevin Garnett's like the whole reason I'm here. Probably the same for you. Um, but it's not like the six. Like if Ant did make a Western or a, yeah, like a Western Conference Finals in the next five or six years, like he would already kind of have the um, you know, he wouldn't have a ring. Kevin Garnett didn't have a ring in Minnesota, but he would already have like the the achievements, right? That Garnett had, mm-hmm. and then you mix in the personality thing, which is Garnett was fun too. But like Ant is unmatched, and then he's just gonna he's gonna continue to hit all those statistics, right? He's already flying up the st- <laughs> He might already be like in the top twenty of three pointers made for the Wolves, which is like awesome and also simultaneously depressing. Um, so that's a that's a good one. It would it would have to be success based though. It'd have to be like, can you take this team, like you said, Batman, Robin, whatever, to like a couple, you know, second and third rounds. Um, that's a really good one though. I've never thought of that, even when like I'm deep into like walk. Uh, that's dude, I'm I'm drinking the ankle. That. that was man. really good. <laughs> I th- I I just I, I think he's amazing. I love his person. I think he's a great actor. Like, like for finding that he's just a great actor now, too. Like, okay. And I think if um I mean he'll have his rookie extension maybe eligible next year, but also if he just is loyal, I mean he does. And everything is being built around him and they have a really good infrastructure and you know, maybe a new stadium down the road and all that stuff. But uh if he shows that he wants to stay and he like wants to because at some point Anthony Edwards, this is way down the road, but he's gonna be in the recruitment level, right? Like he if you're a superstar, you're gonna start to have that gravitational pull. Um, and if he pulls up, you know, three years from now, whoever, if he brings, I don't know, at that time, Chet Holmgren to Minnesota or something and Chet's, you know, wow, look looking to best. go back home, that uh, that would be something. Just living the lifestyle right now. You just put Chet Holmgren <laughs> with uh, with Anthony Edwards in five years from now. It's great. No, no hate towards Walker Kessler. But uh, no, I, just, I that's a good one. I think I think the the runway is there, right? Like he is knock on wood, stays healthy. Um, He has all the tools. He has the personality. He really, again. I always say he like saved my fandom. He saved the franchise. His everything about him just makes sense. Um, and then you saw it leak over into an Adam Sandler movie. Like uh, I was watching Happy Gilmore the other day, and I was like, man, you forget how good those old Adam Sandler movies are. And then they really nosedived. But I mean, Ant saved Adam Sandler's career. So KG kind of was was a part of that too. Uncut that Gems. KG actually saved Adam Sandler's career first because Uncut Gems was the first upswing again after uh-huh. just grown ups after grown ups. Um, yeah. Really bad. <laughs> Sandler just taking $15 million checks to cut terrible rom-coms for, for 12 or 15 years. Like, hey, would you like 15 million to go to Hawaii with your six best friends and we'll film a little bit? It's like, ah, uh, yeah, I'm not on the live tour that weekend. So I can make that work. <laughs> uh, let's, let's get into a couple things from just the wolves news cycle here. Right. Uh, I'll throw one out quick and then let's get to the, the main event here. But Torian Prince is back on a two year, $16 million contract. You good with that? Yeah. Favorite non like young core player. Um, I was at media day last year. Uh, he talked about his struggles last summer about like ankle surgery, not being able to walk when he like went to the bathroom at night type of thing. Like he just seems like a really down to earth guy. Um, and from, by all accounts, his teammates love him. Patrick Beverly is like the culture guy, but Torian Prince is like his VP that yeah, maybe yeah. not as outspoken. Um, and again, I, I tweeted this yesterday, but thought maybe he would go into free agency just to kind of see what it's about. But he took a pretty team-friendly deal. I mean, eight million a year. Second year is not guaranteed, um, fully guaranteed. So, I'm a big fan. He's gonna have a big role because they don't have a lot of wings right now that are a little bigger that can guard and shoot. I thought he was gone too. I'm actually I did too. Yeah, kind of surprised that, that this happened. Pleasantly surprised. Um, the other thing that it's it's not really news, but it's just an interesting thing. We're gonna play a clip here. So Chris Finch unprompted at his press conference yesterday was talking about the young nucleus of players and, you know, the the biggest thing that's going to 
get us to go from here to here in the Western Conference is the development of our young core. And he mentions Ant and Jaden and Jalen. And there was a follow-up question. Someone said, wait a second, you said you said Jalen? As in Jalen Noel? And this is what he said. He's an X-Factor. He's a game-changer. I think everybody needs that. He has the ability to create his own basket. He has the ability to attack switching. He's actually an underrated playmaker. Um, his defense improved uh, quite a bit from the year before when I came here. Um, particularly his fouling rate had dropped, which was most important. Uh, it's just a, this opportunity. We have a lot of depth. And uh, thankfully, he was there to play when we had injuries to uh, or absences for COVID or whatever. Um, but now it's, you know, we're trying to figure out how to get a role, a more consistent role for him. Uh, and we want him to feel as a part of, as a part of that, young, our young core as, you know, anybody else that's here. So. Now, I will say, I think my my spidey sense tells me 10% of Chris Finch's comment there is, eh, Jalen Noel is a little chap that he played one game in the in the Memphis series. And <laughs> it's, a, it's a little damage control with one of our young guys who's 24 mm-hmm. years old. But 90%, I think he's just being honest. And, I, dude, Jalen Noel is one of my favorite players on this team. And if you want to do a dive into some of the analytics – um, which I know we both will nerd out on on this show going forward. If you rank all 15 players that played in at least don't there's three guys that played in like a game or two, but the 15 guys that actually got rotational time for the Wolves last year, Jalen Noel was fifth in win shares per 48, and he was fifth in player efficiency rating per 36 minutes, 19 points, five rebounds, five assists, and if you look at his slashes, he can score from pretty much anywhere. He can shoot threes at a 40 percent clip. He can make free throws. He can kind of come into the game and just, all right, the offense is stagnant, so I'm just going to run things for eight minutes and you know get us 11 quick points. I would love to see him play 20, 25 minutes a night. The question is, with the current roster construction, Torian Prince is back, and Malik Beasley, as of today, is still under contract, and right. Pat Bev, you know, where do you find the extra 10 minutes? But I would almost kind of start there. I like This guy deserves to me to play 20-plus minutes a night and then sort of figure out what the puzzle looks like around him or just trade Malik Beasley and free up some space. What did you think of those comments? Well, I mean, uh, also to gain more, our friend, like he did a pretty good pot on this too. And he, I mean, he's as plugged in as anyone. And he was like, I have to do an emergency podcast because that was, I mean, that those comments were so out of left field Yeah. Um, because it's easy to just be like, yeah, Ant and Jaden are the young core and Carl and D'Lo are the current core or whatever. Um, you don't really need to talk about the guy, even if he was miffed about his lack of playing time because he's on like the cheapest contract in the league. He doesn't have a lot of leverage. So, and he's on a weird deal that like the wolves just keep having a lot of leverage over him. So there was no reason to bring him up and Finch did it anyway. And I think that's super telling. I also thought too, to steal from our colleague, uh, Doogie Wolfson, like when he made a Tyler hero comp, it blew my mind because it's like, there's a lot of things that you can separate those two, but they also, I mean, I don't know if it's because um, Jalen's from the Seattle area, but he's just one of those like instant bucket guys, right? Like he just is Jamal Crawford in a sense. He is one of those guards that just comes off the bench and gives you 14 in a night. So, and he also can dribble and the wolves don't necessarily have a lot of those guys. (laughs) Um, But no, I think that, I think that's really telling because um, he, when, when I was getting ready for the draft, I was thinking like the wolves and the reason I didn't want to do like a, draft pick for Christian Wood trade is because I didn't think the Wolves had enough young talent like we think Ant we think Jaden but then it's like we don't really know what Balmero is 
And then at that time, it's like Jalen and Nas are on expiring deals. Like they might be gone. So I was like, we got to draft someone. But for Finch to say what he does, I'm with you on that 10%. But I also think Finch just doesn't really BS a lot. I think he's just like, Mm -hmm. I like this guy. And we're going to find a way to play him. So it does probably mean that Beasley's going to be moved at some point. They don't, they're not the same guy. Jalen's not really a spot up shooter, but uh, he was awesome last year. Like he came in so many times and gave them spot minutes at like the guard and he can make plays for others. So I also just love Jalen Noel. And I think you do too. Well, how much there's so many things that that could happen in the next 48 hours or in the next two weeks. And and we're going to have a lot of these questions answered, but let, let's just say for fun, that they don't really do anything. That they 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 look at this thing and say, "All right, well, let's we can kind of mend this with D'Lo. D'Lo's a little chapped, and he's, mm-hmm. he made a little passive aggressive comment about the un the uncertain nature of the NBA, and like he kind of knows he's not going to get an extension, almost certainly from the Wolves. And but, but let's say they they look at the roster and say, "All right, we don't want to give up two or three first round picks for Dejounte Murray. Now right. we've already exhausted the." the Clint Capella and Rudy Gobert conversations, which led, led, I think, I think, I don't think they draft Walker Kessler if they're still in on Rudy Gobert. I think, right. I think they, they probably had those conversations. I do believe the reports. Let's say they have all the conversations and ultimately, you know what? We just, we'd like to keep some flexibility for next summer and our improvement is going to come from within, from the young core getting better. How much better do you think the Wolves can get in 2022 23? with the current nucleus and mostly intact roster just growing. Well, it's like the not sexy thing, right? Like, cause you just, you can't really, you can like measure trades. You can see Woj bombs, like all that stuff, but you can't really like, unless ants putting videos of him working out, you don't really see the internal growth, but I go back to like, there's way too many Memphis comps, but a lot of them make sense. Like Memphis just didn't do a lot. They swapped out, you know, Valanchunas for Steven Adams and then Jaw just got better. Desmond Bain got better. Um, they had in all those NBA awards, like their coach was in coach of the year. Like they had three guys in the top 10 of like most improved um, with Jaron Jackson. So I think if they just organically get better and everyone's, I'm also a big like vibes guy. Um, so just like if the vibes are really good and Carl's getting paid, yeah, the D-Lo thing will work itself out. But I also think he might play ball a little more just because he doesn't have a lot of leverage he can't he's not James Harden like he can't get really grumpy and force his way out because he knows next year he's probably going to get paid but if he's really difficult to be with like other teams will know that so I think they can just organically get better maybe do a Beasley for a big like go find some power forward that makes 14 million for a year um and then they can get back to like sniffing 50 wins like I think they can I think they can match last year's production if not more by just having Ant have the ball more. And Jaden, you have to give us more than nine and four a game. You have to give yeah. us 12 and six or 12 and seven. So I think they can match last year's output by just doing what they're doing and injecting more of the youth into the roster and giving those guys more opportunities. And that's kind of the silver lining too, if that's what happens. Like I, I've i had some Wolves fans push back on that because we we talked about this on Mackie and Judd a couple of days ago. So what if what if they kind of stand pat? How, how would you guys feel about that? And a lot of fans said, "No, look at look at what the Vikings have done, and and you know look at other teams in the West that might get better." The Vikings comparison to me is kind of fascinating because they're running it back the last three years with a bunch of dudes who are thirty years old, thirty two, right, thirty four, right. core player. Like they got linebackers who are thirty, and a quarterback who's just kind of been the same guy for the ten years he's been in the NFL, and and they're hoping that coaching can elevate 
an, an older group of, I think overall it's a pretty young roster. Offensive line is young. But my point is they're running it back without a lot of upside other than scheme and coaching, which might work too. Mm-hmm. But with the Timberwolves, they've got, and, and you got, you know, you were talking about 15 man rosters in the NBA where if Anthony Edwards takes a big step forward, it's a lot more impactful than if one of your 53 guys on a football roster takes one big step forward. If Ant takes a big step forward and Jaden takes a big step forward and Jalen Noel gets more more minutes and they are you know efficient minutes that replace inefficient Malik Beasley, all of a sudden you're talking five, eight, whatever more wins without any major roster shakeups. And and again, that goes back to my my take, right? Like um just being patient. I know we've tasted success. Playoff basketball at Target Center was just euphoric. Um, but like Jalen Noel's twenty-two, Jaden's twenty-one. Ant's 20. Balmero, we don't know, but he's 21. Nas Reed is going to be back here again. He's 22. And then you got those three rookies who are all 20. Like, there's just all of a sudden, there's so much youth that it's like UPS truck. There's so much youth that you're like, wait a that's, second. That's maybe. actually the Brink. That's the Brinks truck yeah, backing up to Carl Anthony Towns right now. <laughs> yep, there it is. So I just think I went from like a little concerned about the youth to like, oh, wait, Jalen's going to be part of this. Yes. Um, they just want to give more reps to the young guys. Like, the patience thing, like, yes, you have an all NBA player, but he seems content here. He's going to sign up to basically play out his career here. If you know, if there's no trades down the road. So, um, yeah, I think they can just organically get better. And also too, like this doesn't just re- resolve or resolve basketball, but you watch this at the baseball or football. Like there is a notion too to when older guys get paid, they might go work out one less day a week, right? Like once you kind of secure that contract, you're a little older, like, Maybe you don't have as much motivation or you're not focused on the grind. Um, having guys like Jalen around that are still playing for a contract, giving him more opportunities might just be a really good thing to just keep him motivated, yeah. to keep him hungry. So I'm I also you on think that. like in the NBA guys are, I don't know if guys are more self-conscious, but they're, they, they hear Charles Barkley on Thursday. Yes, they, they are, they're 100%. on their TikTok, Instagram and Twitter feeds reading yep. the comments and yep. Whether they make forty-seven million dollars on a supermax or or whatever, they're, I think their NBA players are more guided by ego and wanting to live up to, you know, expectations and rings. Like James Harden has heard all the fat jokes for two years. <laughs> yeah, well, look yeah. at the videos that are out there now of him running yeah. up these forty-five degree angle steps and showing you, ah, I got a six pack now. So um, yes, I think if they don't do anything substantial, there's a lot of hope for how they could grow internally, but. On the flip side, I'm going to throw a scenario at you. Reckless okay. speculation. Like to engage in a little reckless speculation among friends here on Score North. So, um, and I'll, I'll I'll put this out to the audience too. If you guys have random trade ideas, we will entertain 100%. them on the show. Yeah. Fill up our mentions. Float float them to us on Twitter. Uh, you can always hit us up too through the Score North app. There's a feedback. We we incorporate listener feedback all the time on, on Mackie and Joe. We can do the same thing here on, on uh, Flagrant Howls. So this is from listener Tyler Anderson, who sends this in via the Score North app. Would you trade for DeJounte Murray? So you'd be getting two years of DeJounte Murray at like $17 million this year, seventeen eighteen next year. All-star, 19, 20 points. Basically averages a triple-double. Malik Beasley, a first-round pick in 2024, 26, and 28, and Jade McDaniels. In, in this scenario, I guess you would 
keep D'Angelo Russell or float him somewhere else? I don't know what happens with D'Angelo in this trade scenario from Tyler Anderson, but would you, I guess here's my question. Would you include multiple first round picks and Jaden McDaniels in a trade for DeJounte Murray? Uh, well, anyone who knows my brand knows my love for Jaden, yep. but um, I think my whole thing on Murray just in general. So to answer your question directly, no, my whole thing on Murray in general is no. Um, if you went and got DeJounte Murray, and I'm higher on D'Angelo Russell than probably most, but those two aren't going to be on the same team. You just can't because my number one goal, going back to takes, my number one demand for this next season is that Ant starts at the two and Jaden starts at the three. Like, if those guys are your core pillars of whatever foundation you're building, like, they should probably play the position that they were born to play. Um, and I don't really love Jaden at the four. So does Murray fit alongside Ant, like, beautifully yeah zach Lowe talked about it up and down on his podcast but he also brought up a point that i hadn't thought of uh murray's on a good contract a couple more years but then he's gonna want a max um so in addition to that max you also if you give up three of those three first 24 26 28 you also can't trade any picks in between there unless it's like on draft night so you kind of like hamstring yourself to like we can't ever be at the trade deadline and we're sniffing 58 wins and we're trying to make a battle for the three seed and float a first round pick because you can't do that because of the stipping rule. So um, I'm out on that. Even though I like Murray a lot, I just, I want to go back to the organic growth thing. I think having all your picks is really valuable. And I don't think DeJounte Murray, who's good is worth like 250 million three first and the inability to do yeah. anything else this decade. I think what it, so I, I would not, I would not include, I would not trade three first round picks and Jay McDaniels. That's too much. That's too many future assets right, right. for DeJounte Murray. If there was a way to acquire the, God, the, the three first round picks is tough. Uh, I think, so much. I, I think Zach Lowe used the, the Drew Holiday trade from a few years ago as kind of a, 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 just a starting point for the discussion too. And that was, if I remember, two first round picks. Maybe they were top three protected, but they were two first round picks. And then two pick swaps, so yeah. it was yeah. in, increase your uh, just your your place in the first round. But if there is a way to trade two or three first round picks, keep Jaden McDaniel's. So now I, I'm less concerned about future assets because I've got a bunch on my team, and I'm also intrigued by the fact that Dejounte Murray. I think at age 25, I think there's still like another level really or two that you yeah. can get to. Could he could he become a better shooter? Probably. D'Lo. I mean, I think the audience knows my stance on D'Lo, which is very good player. They don't win 46 games without him. And thank you for your service. Much better fit here the last two years, three years, than Andrew Wiggins would have been. So it was a good trade. They they got back to the playoffs. I don't think he is at $30 million if they were to extend him, which I don't think they will. I don't think he's the guy that gets you to 55. I think it's thank you for getting the Wolves to this level. But at some point, I, I just I can't have him disappearing in a playoff series, too. By the way, he shoots like 33% in the 10 or 11 playoff games he's played. Small sample size, but right. why is he why is he shrinking in 10 or 11 career playoff games? You know, So I'm okay if they ride it out one more year with him and they decide that just having that money come off the books is the best decision, I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. But if I can get Jante Murray without giving up Jaden McDaniels, I'm very, very interested. And the Drew Holiday thing, like last note on that, it's it's – not necessarily apples and oranges, but like they also needed to make sure they made a move at that time. They knew Giannis was a super duper yes. star, but they needed to keep him happy. The Wolves aren't necessarily, I mean, the Wolves aren't the Bucks yet, right? Like we know Ant's really good, but I think I need one more year to see Ant as like top 20 in the league. 
and the ant signs that rookie extension. No one ever turns that down, but like I need ant to be here for six more years before I'm going to essentially trade all those picks for that six years because I know ants here. So it's probably a deal that next year I would think more about, but right now it's just like, again, patience. Like, let's just try to let the, you know, if we're making a stew, right. Let's just let it sit on the crock stove pot. for another hour. Let's yeah, crock we'll pot, crock this pot thing it up yeah. for one more hour. And then let's, let's look at it in 2023. The, you know, the, I think the Pelicans are in the air fryer right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, yep. the, the warriors have been simmering on the top of the stove wolves in the crock pot. Just and the Lakers have expired. We should probably throw those out. Yeah, it's just uh, there's lumps in the, in the carton <laughs> for them. So, uh, all right, we, we could talk for like two more hours, but we're, there's going to be a lot of things that happen in the coming days. Yep. So you and I are going to go enjoy some uh, adult beverages over the weekend, see what happens, and come back next week. I'm with excited. Yeah, this Howls, is going to be man. fun. This is going to be a really fun podcast. So uh, subscribe, rate, review. Um and we'll, uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah. And you can hit us up in the YouTube comment section. You can tweet at us uh, and um, we'll incorporate We want this to be interactive. This is, mm-hmm. this is a, a wolf's lifestyle that we all live here, a tortured one, but hopefully on the way up. So thanks for hanging out with us here. And uh, we'll see you next time on Flagrant Howls. He knows you once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest-rated dog DNA test. Unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.